because, because I'm a hot girl. I'm a hot, I'm girl. A, I do hot shit. Hot shit. First Hot Girl Agenda episode of 2021. If you're listening to this, you made it. I'm so proud of you. Drink some water and settle in because we're going to have a great show. I'm your host, Rara Imler. With me are my guests, Kate Willett of Reply Guys and Lisa Ashway from Take It From The Pop. We are discussing one of the most surprising television surprising television events of the last year, The Queen's Gambit. Maybe you heard of it, maybe not. Um, but we're going to go ahead and talk about it. So I will go ahead and start with Kate. Um, oh, for, I guess we should probably just do like a like sort of little intro about what the Queen's Gambit actually is, right? I think I'll, I'll do that real quick. So the Queen's Gambit <laughs> is a television show based on a novel uh, by Walter Tevis, and it's all about uh, this young girl who is basically like a chess genius uh, in the 50s and 60s, and she's like a little orphan girl um, that becomes like a chess master, like a grand chess master. And um, it's a fictionalized character, but uh, the the show follows like the actual careers of some famous chess masters, including like Bobby Fisher. So that's what we're talking about tonight. And it sounds really boring, which I feel like when everyone um, suggested the show to me, I was like, chess, really? This is what we're all talking about right now. And then I watched it and I was like, I get it now. So Kate, what was your overall impression of the show? Well, you know, this show, uh, I thought it was good. It's a it's a it's a good feminist show, and in a time when like so many women uh, have had to give up our careers, it's definitely nice to see a woman succeeding in the two areas that we still can succeed: uh, playing board games and doing drugs. And so, uh, <laughs> I just I was inspired by that. <laughs> nice, uh, Lisa. What were what were you, what are your thoughts on the show? <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm going to disagree. I hated it. <laughs> it was so bad. I thought they used sexual tension as like a cliffhanger throughout the entire thing. And so you're like, oh, I'm so addicted to this. But it's just because she's so sexy. And it's just <laughs> sexy chess. And I mean, I still binge watched it. So I don't know if that's honest for me to say I hated it. But I don't know. I don't know. I binge watch a lot of things I hate. I'm, I just started binge watching Outlander, which I would love to talk about sometime. <laughs> Also, also sexual tension. Yeah, lots I of binge watch Ozark, and I didn't really <laughs> like it at all. Yeah, yeah, I watched the entire season of that, and I was like, I don't like this show. I'll watch the yeah. the next season though. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. right. I have to know what happened. That Tiger King was not very good at all. Very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, this was like a this was a surprising one for for it to be so popular. But I think a lot of it really is due to just the sexiness of the main character played by um, Anya Taylor-Joy. And I thought that was really funny because when I was researching this this um, series, like it's based on a novel and in the novel, they're pretty like explicit about how she's very plain looking and <laughs> she's like not really like self-assured like for most of her, you know, beginning chess years. And through chess, she finds a confidence and self-assuredness that she never got from like her looks, you know? Uh, for her to for Beth Harmon to be played by like an actual ex supermodel is just like so funny to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm used to also. I mean, definitely she looks like a supermodel, and the, the that's like one of the main things in the show is that she's so beautiful. But I always think of her character 
from the witch, you know? Yeah, Black Philip, Black Philip. Like I just keep imagining that. Uh, she's so good in the witch too. But no, it definitely was like uh, she was a uh, what? What do guys from Boston call people? Dimes? I don't know. <laughs> she's a dime. She's a dime. Yeah. <laughs> I need a dime. That's top of the line. Yeah. Yeah. She was um she has one of those faces where it's like the more you look at her face, the the more interesting it is. Like mm-hmm. she's not a very like she looks like kind of I I want to say like Eastern European a little bit, but like she's got these like really wide set eyes <laughs> and like just like this alien-esque appearance of um like she comes across as like kind of demure in a sense, but then she kind of just like goes in and has like dominates all these guys and looks like super hot doing it. This is actually like really cool because um, we were talking a little bit about, you know, doing drugs. And uh, so the character of Beth Harmon, like her drug spiral is actually modeled after the author's drug spiral that he experienced. Apparently it's a thing in chess where all these amazing players are just like, hardcore like drug addicts and fuck ups in in the rest of their life uh which i found very relatable (laughs) that was actually my favorite part of the show is like the portrayal of addiction and like how she gets exposed to it and how it's like super normalized in her life like i thought that was they did such a good job yeah that was the part that really struck me as being uh pretty awesome because um, I thought it was going to just be kind of like a girl boss show, but it's the addiction stuff really did have some uh, emotional depth to it, like particularly the relationship with her mom, her mm-hmm. adoptive mom that adopted her, like yeah. and how they kind of bonded over the addiction. That was that was really good and sad. Very sad too. sound like Trump. Very sad. <laughs> her her adoptive mother was my favorite character. Yeah, that was a, oh, yeah. a really good actress. I wish I remembered her name. I didn't look up anybody's name for this at all. Um, (laughs) I was wondering like what the whole thing with the giving orphans tranquilizers thing was. And apparently like it was a common practice in like the fifties and sixties to do that to orphans to make them easier to control, Mm -hmm. which is just like the most fucked up thing I can think of. But it's like, cause I don't know if y'all have ever tried like tranquilizers or anything, but To give that to a child is basically to just like render them completely like helpless psychologically. So it's kind, it's it was a pretty good portrayal of like what it is like to be dependent on that kind of thing. I think. Right. I know some people had like a problem with how she was depicted in her drug spiral because it was like, oh well, her hair still looks nice, and her yeah. and she's doing a graphic liner. Like she must be fine. And it's like, I don't know about y'all, but have you like ever been in a depression spiral and still been able to like do your lashes and stuff? Because I found that really relatable. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, also that's like not, I mean, addiction looks like all different kinds of things to all different kinds of people. I didn't find that to be, you know, unrelatable. Like there's, you know, I mean, it's like there's a, there's tons of stories of like celebrities having to go to rehab or dying. And, you know, then there's also people who have uh, a bottom that at least from the outside looks more difficult. But I mean, emotionally, I feel like they, they captured that journey pretty well. Yeah. I mean, but even the scenes when she was like by herself, like supposedly profusely sweating on her bed, she just, she looks so hot. And I just yeah. think the like the kind of like male gaze that they like didn't make her look as disheveled as they could have. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They didn't almost like as if they didn't want to like ruin her, which like she was being ruined. Yeah, it's definitely like this um 
like I feel like the the show is like such the fucking nerd guy boner thing yes, where it's like exactly. an extremely conventionally attractive woman that's into a traditionally male hobby, you know, and she's just like you know, it's just like she just like she doesn't even want to talk about feelings. She just wants to talk about the game, you know. Right. Like, I feel like in like ten years there'll be like a movie about like professional video game champion or whatever that everyone will jerk off to. They did kind of portray her as a bit like like sexless earlier in the show that I, I thought that was an interesting and I'm not sure how it compares to the book, but it was like sex was more just a curiosity rather than like a kind of biological like hormonal thing for her like it was more just like an intellectual curiosity that she indulged in with uh what was Dudley's character's name Harry uh, Beltic Harry Beltic yeah and it just seemed like huh oh this is what sex is oh okay back to chess yeah and it was just like a very I don't know Obviously, her character is supposed to be like a detached genius type, but I just thought that that was very like, I don't know any teenage girls that are ever la acted like that about sex. It's like, I don't know. It, it, I, usually there's a lot more anxiety involved, you know, right. like for teenage girls. And especially during that time when people didn't really, you know, teenage girls did not have good sex ed back in the 50s. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like it, there should have been like maybe more curiosity there with her character and maybe just a little bit more passion. But yeah. Well, see, I feel like it was consistent with her character, though. Like, I was, I always think about people's, like, attachment styles. Do you know about that shit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I just felt like, okay, so basically, I'm going to do, like, a one-minute attachment style rant to, like, preface my theory okay. of this movie. So, uh, she, like, there's, like, three different attachment styles that most people have. One is, like, anxious, where you're, like, really, you know, preoccupied with relationships and can be, like, you just like to be very close, can seem a little, like, needy sometimes. And then, like, the other extreme is, like, avoidant, where you're, like, you, you know, you don't really want to trust anyone and you're very, like, to yourself and, uh, you know, just, like, a fierce self-reliance. And then, like, the, the last one that most people are, uh, is secure where you know you just like like to be close people and it's like pretty easy for you and you're cool with like space and you're cool with uh togetherness and everyone's like on a spectrum like nobody mm -hmm. is like it's it's not like there's just like three little boxes that you can put people in but I felt like her character was like the extreme end of like avoidant attachment avoidance mm -hmm. coping and like that's why it was like drugs chess you know like she just learned to cope by like closing herself off from other people entirely and that like at the end of the movie i keep calling it a movie but i guess it's more like a show. <laughs> it felt like a show or it felt like a movie i mean like she kind of she learns that she can like trust someone or trust yeah. someone again because the, the only person she had ever really trusted to that point was jolene right and mm -hmm. then jolene comes back so i don't know it seems yeah consistent to me yeah, that's true. I think I'm maybe just uh, projecting a little on my own chaotic uh, tendencies. <laughs> I think some of her character came off as, and maybe this was like the directing style, but um, whenever she had to like interact with other women her age, she just seemed completely like uncomfortable or like, I'm not like the other girls. I like chess. I don't think about babies. And But when she's connecting with her, like an older woman, like her mother, she's way more comfortable for some reason. And I always wondered like what you all thought about that dynamic of like her just not being able to like really connect with her female peers. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it, it feels like that. I, that's definitely an interesting character choice. 
but it feels like maybe the show wasn't quite aware of that because they're not like, this is a character who thinks she's not like the other girls. They're like, this is a character who is not like the other girls. And that is so fucking hot, you know? <laughs> it was definitely, definitely kind of a cool girl thing going on there, you know? Yeah, that's how I felt. Like I felt like when Carrie came and lived with her forever, that time was, it was almost like we only saw her like from his perspective and she was just like cool and unattainable. And so I think the whole thing was just like these people trying to contain her, like these mm. men, and then they couldn't. And that's what made her so fucking desirable. And I mean, her. In I only saw one interaction with her and another woman besides like Jolene and her mom. And that was, you know, she's like, I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, I don't know, though, because like, I agree with what you're saying to an extent, but I felt like in the parts where like Beltic comes and lives at her house, like he, to me, is the sympathetic character. Maybe that's right. who I relate to more in the equation, you know? Uh, right. But like, to me, like he seems, like he kind of goes on a journey where at first he just seems like a little bit pathetic, but then like, as it goes on, you're like, no, this is like a well-adjusted person who has like the right idea of life and can care about people, you know? And it's like, right. yeah. Yeah, his character arc is really um, is really touching and precious because he really does start out as just like a, a really arrogant, like unlikable character and then quickly becomes really sympathetic based on his like, you know, attachment to Beth. I thought like the feminist themes in this were very, uh, were a mixed bag. Like, obviously I don't like it when a show is just trying to be like, hoorah, girls rule and right. that's the whole like flat kind of, character building that they do but i thought it was was really interesting that she really did not know how to interact with girls her age even girls that shared the same interests as her because she was remember the first person she ever challenged in a chess, chess match was another girl and then she that same girl shows up at the tournament like years later and is like you're the reason i was i like got into chess and like you know i you proved that we could do anything and da da da, da. and she's just like uh what like i gotta go smoke <laughs> cigarettes Right. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. She was kind of like above it all. I'm trying to think of like what movie. Oh, you know what movie this. So when I first started watching this, I thought that it was going to be very marvelous. Mrs. Maisel. Basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where we, like, take a woman, put her like, you know, in the 50s, 60s. And then, you know, have her in this like male dominated profession, but also in awesome clothes. But I, you know, I watched like the first maybe one and a half seasons of Mrs. Maisel and then I couldn't take it anymore because the whole thing of that show, at least that I saw, could have changed later, but it was like, look how good at this she is, you know? And then like, the stand-up wasn't actually like good stand-up. I mean, I'm sure like some of my reaction was that I'm a comedian, but mm. it was like, it just, it was so unrealistic how she'd ever really had any professional challenges. And like the, that showed so much of it, at least of what I saw so far, like it was cute and it had some kind of funny moments, but it felt like the whole thing was like, look, a dame in a man's world dressed in awesome clothing. But then this one maybe because of all the like addiction stuff and just cause yeah, it was a little darker, a little more human. It didn't feel it didn't feel quite like that to me, you know? Yeah. I, I think that the casting choice lend, lended itself to the seriousness, 
of it all because you know um she's obviously like a beautiful like woman but she also has that really cool detachment that made it really difficult to like she would make decisions and you're just like what the fuck are you doing and like i like that in in shows when i can like be frustrated with a character i like or like find myself rooting for a character i didn't originally like um like a lot of the dudes in this were very like aggravating um and then they kind of had that feel good moment towards the end where uh where they all come together and they help her and it's like oh friendship is real dudes do rock uh, yeah <laughs> dudes rock that was the message that i got out of this <laughs> yeah. dudes rock. The, the dude with the hat uh yeah. like oh benny watts benny watts he was the best depiction of a fuck boy i've ever seen you know oh, man, like, oh i fucking hated that guy <laughs> i like really thought that he was gross and then I, I saw that. everyone on Twitter being like, he's so hot. And no, like, he's not hot. I don't even know what people are talking about with that. Like, I just, I mean, he had a sweet character arc, but the, I, that was like a, I, I did not see any sex appeal in that situation whatsoever. <laughs> right. The only moment that I liked him, the moment like when the tide turns and I thought I was going to really like him was when he was like, don't even think about sex. It's not going to happen. And then I liked him. <laughs> but then yeah, like, was about sex. And yeah. that was just manipulation. So I don't know. He lost my respect. <laughs> See, I'm the kind of, I have the kind of toxic, like that's my toxic personality trait is when a guy's like, I'm not really interested. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, no, it would be awesome if he really wasn't. But the thing was, yeah. he was. And he was just, yeah, yeah. I think he was just playing mind games, you know? Yeah. He's so, like, please come live in my disgusting apartment. I thought it, I don't think it was so much of him being um like a fuck boy as him thinking he had control over his emotions maybe more than he thought he did. Mm. Like I that's like the charitable reading of that, right? Like he was like I'm too cool for this girl. Like I'm her like yeah, I'm her mentor. I'm a cowboy. I'm so cool. And then he like is living with her and he's like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. <laughs> like, do, do you want to have sex with me though? Like, yeah, she only yeah. thinks about the game. Just the yeah. game. Um, here is like the thing that I wanted to discuss about the Queen's Gambit in relation to the, the guys. Who is the, okay, so there's the journalist guy that she mm -hmm. likes a lot. I forgot what his name is. Vaughn, I think. Oh, I'm getting this wrong. Uh, but we we know who she's talking about the, the guy that's the reporter for like the chess magazine, and then she meets him again at the end. Mm -hmm. I thought that we were supposed to read that character as gay, and like it was like yeah, when his roommate came in, yeah, yeah. and because he's like his roommate comes in and he has like the little shorts, and yeah. and you know he's only interested in platonic friendship with her and. I was like, I think we're supposed to read him as gay. And, you know, Jake was like, okay, like a woman and a man can like just be friends. Like just because they had a platonic friendship doesn't mean he's gay. And I'm like, I know Jake, but like, why did they like, it's a movie, right? Like they're not like, or a show. They're not like showing like every possibility in real life. They're like. They're yeah, they're showing specifically the sexual tension between. Yeah. And then between a 15 year old like, girl. Guy with cool tiny shorts. And so I don't yeah. know. I thought that we were supposed <laughs> to read him as like, as gay, but I don't know. I thought he was gay. Like I, I thought he was like at, not. I'm not not gonna say at least bisexual, but I thought he was bisexual. <laughs> wow, biphobic. Wow. Yeah. I'm wow. Biphobic. I'm going on Twitter. I recorded a podcast <laughs> with Mara Imler. And she oh, did a biphobia. <laughs> I did a no growth. <laughs> I did a biphobia. <laughs> I mean, that has to be what they were going for, because that that scene seemed pretty like 
Yeah. What are we picking up from this? But then at the end, it was not really clear. Like at the end, it, it was very vague as to, because at the end he said something like, I should have, I should have explained the situation. And then he doesn't explain the situation. And then it just cuts to the next morning when she challenges Borgov and the guy's like still in her room. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, did they have sex? Did, is, I don't is think so. Gay? Like what's happening here? And it was so vague. It was like, it was kind of weird. I don't know. I think his name was Holmes, if I'm not wrong. Does that sound familiar? Um, Holmes? Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't, but hunky, hunky journalist dude. Because he was kind hunky. of, he was kind of hunky. He was kind of a, kind of a himbo. A little bit of a himbo. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or just, I don't, I don't know, know what a himbo now. is. <laughs> What's a himbo? A male bimbo. Oh, I should have got that. But I don't know. I mean, uh, I my my read of that guy was that like he was like you know he was like fully unattainable to her which is like why she like love him but then it was like in this way that was sort of like friendship in the end you know yeah i didn't get like very like fuck vibes off their whole situation together in the end i don't know when she was like a kid then she saw him that's when they should have omitted him from that scene if they were gonna have a, a yeah that was bond. Yeah, that was like a really kind of uncomfortable. Like it was a really uncomfortable scene because it was obviously supposed to be sexual tension there. But she's like fifteen in the scene, and he's like twenty, and you're just like, oh, I don't yeah. like. I know I'm supposed to feel the sexual tension, but I don't want to. Like I don't want to yeah. feel the sexual tension between a fifteen year old and anybody. Like it's kind of weird. Like, I don't understand why they always go for that kind of thing. But I think it's that was like for the times. Yeah. But I think it's also supposed to be, that was supposed to be like from her viewpoint because it really did show like how infatuated she was with him and how like in awe of him she was. So maybe that's what it was. Yeah. So speaking of dudes rock. So, so we like Dudley. Uh, we like Harry Belchick. Nobody liked Benny Watts. So I liked Benny Watts. <laughs> I didn't think he was sexy, but he reminds me of my brother. And I think that's why I like him. <laughs> like he looks, Oh, so that's the kid from game of Thrones. Do you remember a yeah. um, little boy from game of Thrones and love actually, apparently. Um, Oh yeah, he's a sweet little boy from Love Actually, which I think is why I cannot see him as a sexual being because it's just like he'll always be that like eight year old boy in Love Actually to me. But does your brother wear a trench coat and a cowboy hat? No, he does. He wears a farmer's hat. He's a farmer. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah. So we talked a little bit about uh how uh girls rock, uh dudes rock, um. But we're also missing out on like probably one of the best characters of the show, which was Jolene, who was yeah. her, was her, yeah, her bully slash BFF at the orphanage. What are your thoughts about like her character? Because I have a lot to say about it, but I want to hear what y'all think. I'm sure we think the same thing about it, <laughs> that like she, she like purely existed just to like serve Beth. And like, even though she was kind of one of the most interesting characters, she's the most problematic, problematic child at the orphanage yet still is like beloved by the people who work there. Mm -hmm. You know, she like figures her life out off screen. Mm -hmm. She's a Black Panther, maybe? I don't know, dating a rich guy. It was, yeah, it was <laughs> alluded to her being a Black Panther. But she just like shows up in a time of need and says, here's all my money, go on your trip. Yeah, that was like the, um, what they call the magical Negro trope, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which is just like, yeah, let's get the, let's get the Black person in here to, um, 
fix the white girl's problems and lend her thousands of dollars. And I'm just like, what now? <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, yeah, that definitely was going on. Uh, I, I definitely noticed that too. But I, I also think that in a way that was like, like, I feel like part of what happens in that moment in the plot is that Beth sort of realizes like how much privilege she's had and like just how easy things have been for her relatively speaking because Jolene like you know stayed at the orphanage the whole time you know went like put herself through college you know is like in law school and like has money saved and like Beth had all this these opportunities and she just like you know blew it and sort of took it for granted you know so I think that it's like this moment for her when she sort of like realizes that her like independence is not the same thing as actually like strength or uh being responsible or taking care of herself you know yeah yeah i i think my only my problems with the with the show's treatment of jolene was was really that i feel like they needed to hammer home the point more emo like emotionally when you know with when mr shable dies and and jolene comes back that um beth like never kept in touch with those people but they never stopped thinking about her and it's like it was she had a very like myopic life in that she was very much just very egocentric and focused on herself and she left behind all the people in her early life that made her life better you know mm -hmm. like her chess mentor and her best friend who you know it, it doesn't show her being friends with anyone else so you can assume that it was those two you know joined at the hip or at least the ones that got along with each other and she just forgets about them like she just yeah. and there's no real reckoning for that you know like jolene comes back and there's no bitterness or anything and maybe that's just like the character of jolene that she wouldn't be bitter about something like that but they everyone just goes back into her life and forgives her like automatically for stuff and doesn't even kind of interrogate uh she doesn't seem to interrogate in her life like why she abandoned people you know that cared about her so that was my that was my problem with the character is like it kind of lacked a little bit of like maybe like anger that would like kind of maybe justifiably be there in that character but at the same time it's like i don't know i think maybe trying to attach too much meaning to like one character in that sense is you know kind of futile but yeah they definitely could have done more for jolene and develop that relationship better again I, it's hard to say because i'm not sure how the book went but i'm, I'm i have a feeling it was like probably more apparent in the book the dynamics of their relationship right for sure and even when jolene comes back you know i think maybe it was like a lack of chemistry between the two actresses but they didn't even seem like bonded at that moment either so it, it just felt like such a great character that I didn't get to see enough of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who else should we have seen more of? I really liked the French woman. I don't really understand her motivations for getting her so drunk. Like, was it jealousy or I don't know? Um, just being a just being a party animal that wants other people to party with her. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's right. They just like had her uh, bisexual lover for like one scene, yeah. and then then tossed her aside too. And it was just like, wait a minute, what happened to her? Uh, yeah, it's like certain people just kind of come in and out of the story without any kind of resolution or whatever. But you know, awesome. So okay, so what did we touch on? So we talked about um, Jolene. Uh, I want to just like to go back on the, like, there is something cool about this show too, that I don't really see a lot of in like period pieces based on like American perspectives uh, was like 
it was really cool how sympathetic Beth was towards like the Russian players, like the whole Russian chess culture. I thought that was a really cool, they could have gone in like a very opposite direction with that and gone like counterintuitive to, to like, you know, the times right now where there's a lot of red scare bullshit, you know, happening all over again. But um, I think it's interesting how like there's all these like um, nationalistic forces in her life trying to get her to like turn against like Russian chess players and, it, she's kind of just like casually refusing it for which at the time would have been probably like a really huge deal to like not want to come out against communism explicitly. Right. What did y'all feel about like the the differences between like the Russians and the Americans in this show? Well, I totally agree with you. I think like the fact that she wanted to learn Russian and she was like, this is their shit. You know, like, I, I want to be a part of this world. I thought that was an interesting depiction for her character. But when they actually go to Russia, like, the lighting and the way that they portrayed it was so hilarious. Like, no one uses lights anywhere, like, even while they're <laughs> playing chess. And it makes me want to, like, go back and watch other movies to see if I've just never noticed just the way the U.S.'s adversaries are portrayed in media. Yeah, it was definitely, like... It was this thing where I'm kind of, I'm thinking about Jolene and I'm thinking about the Russians and, you know, Baltic. And there is this way that the whole story is sort of told from, you know, from Beth's perspective very much. You know, like we sort of see people the way that she sees people. And, you know, with Russia, it, it seemed like it was, it was the same thing, which is like, you know, like you said, it was it was kind of dark. It was like everything was like very exotic and foreign, but it wasn't like it wasn't you know it was like human at the same time. Like that old man that she beats, uh, this the penultimate guy she defeats, as well as the last guy. Like that's a really tender moment in the show when he hugs her and says congratulations. But yeah, I mean, it definitely it was cool that she didn't have any uh, any any patience for the um the uh like nationalism red scare shit you know yeah i um i actually took away a uh like kind of a a really good understanding from th that that i really like the direction it went in this explicitly because you know we are so inundated with like anti-soviet propaganda and i don't think the like austerity portrayed in when they were in russia was actually like a negative thing i think like their reverence for chess like it was a huge national like event you know like it was this huge national moment and it had so much prestige and so much like ceremony you could i really like that it would she is depicted as being just so comfortable in it like you can see like you can tell her character is comfortable in that environment because this is like this is her shit so she's in a culture where everyone appreciates the same thing that she does so i feel like she actually does kind of like become even more like in her own when she is around the Russians, like all these old Russian guys, as opposed to like all her peers, her age, you know, in the US where everyone's just kind of like lackadaisical about the sport, right? Or the game. Yeah, and I love that she stays. Yeah, it's real cute. But also that just might be like communist me, you know, it's like kind of <laughs> gushing, it's kind of gushing over pro-Russia stuff, you know? <laughs> Okay, so that brings us to the last topic that I'd like to talk about, um, which is the fashion. Obviously, there's a ton to talk about here. I mean, this is a, probably a more uh, 
thing you're gonna have to look up visually later if you're curious but i was in love with the fashion and the styling in this movie obviously beth's clothes were impeccably tailored i think the favorite favorite look of mine was her white overcoat when she went to russia but also the graphic liner from when she had her mental breakdown her addiction breakdown (laughs) uh it was a very it was a it was a look uh what about y'all what was what were your like style moments from the show you know, I actually really liked that jacket that everybody was supposed to think was so ugly. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> the one that she goes to school with and everyone makes fun of her for. I was like, that's awesome. Oh. I mean, that was uh, a but jacket. I, yeah, I liked uh I liked like late 60s Beth approaching the 70s when she starts getting in a pants. That was very cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love the classic scene when she runs into the girl from high school and, and she looks great. <laughs> oh yeah um, she's like totally like glamour girl like living it up also like sweaters that just button on the top into yeah so this is something i found out from looking up the styling uh for this for the show so the costume designer this was this lady named uh, gabrielle binder and she's from berlin and they were talking about um how the t-shirt design is actually something that happened in like the 50s or no, I'm sorry, the 60s. So women weren't even wearing like, you know, they weren't wearing like t-shirt blouse, like, you know, basically just like open collars like that until like the 60s, which is just like so wild to me that everyone was walking around with like buttoned up like blouses and shit. Oh my God, I'm so glad we're not doing that anymore. But it looked amazing. So apparently like the choice to make her hair red in the show was like, she's not a redhead in the book. I think she just has like mousy brown hair. So I think the... That her red hair was definitely very iconic. I feel like a lot of people are going to be rocking that red hair for winter, spring, just because it's such a good, solid color. Hmm. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to get into like, <laughs> should I do that? Yeah. You should do the red. It's next in line. <laughs> what else is left? Yeah. <laughs> So thank you both for being on the podcast so much. It was lovely talking to you both. Lisa, where can we find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lisa Ashtray, one word. <laughs> Sweet. And do you have anything to plug? Are you doing um, Take It take it From the Pop? Any episodes yeah. coming out soon? We have a new episode coming out soon about my first takes watching Terminator 2. You could find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Take It From the Pop. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Kate, where can we find you on the internet? Internet, sorry. Please check out my podcast, Reply Guys. Uh, it is a leftist feminist comedy podcast that I host with Julia Claire. I have a stand-up special on Netflix. Uh, and I have a book coming out in February uh, on Audible. So look out for that. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll throw up your links in the podcast description if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe to the patreon it's patreon.com slash hot girl agenda and follow me on twitter at island goth and we'll see you next week bye